and welcome to Classical Stuff You Should Know, a podcast about history and philosophy and books and old things. My name is Thomas Magby. I'm joined as always by Mr. A.J. Hanenberg. That's me. And Mr. Graham Donaldson. Hello. And after taking a week off, is everyone feeling rested? Everyone feeling good? Bright-eyed, bush-tailed, feeling yeah. hyped. I, I mean, I'm slightly, hyped. I, I'm slightly under the weather, but, you know, doing my best here. Uh, today, Graham, you are leading our episode. What, what are we talking about today? We're getting back into uh, following our long, our long series on the Plantagenets. This is—I don't know what episode number this is. I was going to ask. War of the it, Roses. You think it's uh, episode four? Seven? No. Wait. What? No. No. Of this new one, didn't he do? Oh, the new one. Yeah. I thought we were, are we continuing? Uh, this the old is maybe one? episode four of uh, Three, the yeah. War of the Roses. I think it's four. We haven't even gotten to Duke of York yet, so we got a ways to go. But on the whole Plantagenet series, it's like what, like nine? Yeah, yeah, because like we did six yeah. at first, and then plus these. I think that's right. It's like ten. Yeah. And um, anyway, um, for people who we get, people like this stuff, and so I like to maybe give the shout out to some of the resources that I've used. Um, a lot of this comes from Winston Churchill's history of what's it called? what's it actually called the a history of the English speaking people. Uh, this is from Volume One. Uh, this also comes, a lot of it comes from Dan Jones, who wrote a book uh, called The War of the Roses, and then also, uh, you know, just, well, uh, the, the Wikipedia pages. Actually, I didn't really look, <laughs> look at Wikipedia that much for this episode. Really? Yeah, I sometimes do just to make sure that, like, I get dates right. Right. But uh, I didn't really look at it this, from this episode, so. That's probably a good sign, right? I guess so. It means you got enough information sure. from the from the yeah. books. And then also just from, like, you know, as a kid growing up and hearing these stories and undergrad and all that stuff. So, um, anyway, where we left off was Henry VI is king of England, and he, his father was Henry V, the great glorious king who died early, and Henry VI was a little king from when he was a little baby, and he was crowned king of France and king of England, and he was like nine months old, and this was a problem. Um, do, what do you guys remember from Henry VI when he was growing up? Do you remember anything, Hanenberg? Gosh, it's boy, so it's been a while. Okay, well, can then, you, then can you catch me up again? We don't need to play that game then. So I'll tell you. So if you remember, Henry VI was super awkward. If you remember, yeah. he was that kid that was either he's really, really, was really it the smart. King? Yeah. yeah, he's either really, really, really smart or he's real dumb. Right. Can't tell. And he didn't really want to be king that bad. He didn't really want to be king that bad. He um, and and so we sort of conclude. And I think that it's fair that some people thought maybe autism right. or some sort of Asperger is definitely I think we social that up awkward. Last time. Yeah. Where he is, sometimes you think like he's locked in and he's like playing four D chess with me right now. And other times you're like, I, th- I think he's, a, I think he's like a literally a potato. Like I don't know, there's <laughs> nothing going on. Right. So it was hard to tell. Anyway, so he's king. He doesn't want to be king. And there were two parties who kind of were in a truce over him because as the king went, so went the country. And when you have a king who's kind of either 4D chess or a potato, can't tell which which, Mm -hmm. this is a little concerning for the nation. So he had the one party, which was his uncle, uh, the Duke of Gloucester, and then the other party, which was uh, the Beauforts. The Beauforts? Yeah, the Beauforts. Or the Bedfords. No, Beauforts. Um, you know you could say either of those, and we would believe Well, you. but yeah, someone's going to be like, well, actually, it was the Duke of <laughs> LaFontaine. Yeah, let him send an email. Um, the Beauforts. Yeah. It was the Beauforts. Um, and the Beauforts were also technically related to the Henry VI, but I looked it up. Um, turns out that way back in the day, John of Gaunt, who was, if we're going to remember this, John of Gaunt was brother to Edward III. John of Gaunt was 
Um, was he the super loyal guy? He was a super loyal guy. He was the king that he was the sort of the duke that or the the guy that got all the stuff taken from Richard the yeah. Second, which prompted Henry the Fourth to kick his butt. Right. So Henry the Fourth was John of Gaunt's son. Right. Anyway, so going back to that, John of Gaunt was also a little bit of a philanderer. Ah. He uh, liked to uh, sow the wild oats. You shared a story about the. <laughs> I, that, that was during a Patreon episode. <laughs> That's I, right. We can't share it here. Um, I won't, but on his deathbed, he revealed to <laughs> to Richard II, or revealed to somebody. No, it was Henry VI. That was right. He revealed, ah, he revealed the, to somebody. The, the results no, of what, his impropriety. It, it wasn't was, Henry it was the, the future king. Yeah, it was, he revealed to one of the future Yeah, maybe it was Henry V. He revealed to the future king, like, hey, don't sleep around, or, you know, this is, what this is what's going to happen yep. to you. And the king was like, noted. <laughs> um, anyway, so he went and had a bunch of bastard kids. Um, and one of the lines of those bastard kids was the Beauforts. Oh, there you go. So, now the Beauforts were bastard children from uh, John of Gaunt, and this really bothered them because everyone kind of, like, made fun of them at school and stuff. Right. Um, and so they actually, and, um, and people were kind of nervous because they were getting to be very powerful, very rich. You can remember from pa- past episodes. And so Parliament actually had to make an act to say, okay, you're not bastards, even though you are, but you're not. But you can't inherit the throne, but no one can call you a bastard anymore. And they were like, good. Deal. So deal. <laughs> we'll yeah. take it. We'll take it. Uh, because, like, John of Gaunt, I, th- I think the argument that Parliament made was that like, John of Gaunt actually truly loved the woman that he had all these children with. Oh, and really? would have married her instead, but didn't because he was married to somebody else. Right. And so when Parliament says you're in love, it's got to be true. <laughs> that's, right? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's when you know it's real, boys. No, is um, it, okay, so this is a side question. Maybe one of you guys knows. Is this where a bastard sword comes from? Um, so the bastard sword is because it is, I think it's It's I've, not, It's you can use it in either hand. I can't remember. Um, I got, I'll Google this. So I can hear that well, actually, uh, email coming. But anyway. Just a long sword. So, yeah, yeah uh, uh, the bastard sword. Uh, it's, it's shorter. It's weighted differently. I can't remember. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, okay, yeah. Googling. So the one side, we got Gloucester, who, if you remember him, he was like the jovial guy, and he was captain war with France. Yeah. That's something to remember for this episode. Okay. Gloucester always wanted to fight the French. The Beauforts were on the other side, and they were less open war with France. And both of them are sort of vying for control over this young, impressionable king. Um, uh, there was, and then... Um, both sides kind of realize, listen, our king is kind of weird, and it would be good for him if he had some kind of companion, a friend. He needs a bro. <laughs> he needs a best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, he needs, you know, Bert needs his Ernie, right? Like, he needs somebody to, like, to help uh, round out the weirdness to uh, sort of bring him into the fold. And at this time, there was a young guy whose name was Will de, William de la Pole. Okay. And he was the Earl of Suffolk. So I'm going to refer to him as the Earl of Suffolk or Suffolk. Okay. What did you learn, Hannenberg? About the, the sword. Hold on, translate. It's basically a sword French of to English. Yeah, hmm. sort of unknown origin is what the French oh, there you thing go. says. Or I've, I've also, I, some say that it's between a one-hander sword and a two-hander sword. Yeah. Right? So hmm. it's not for two hands, not quite for one hand, a little bit longer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or of dubious design. Yeah. So far, I, it doesn't seem to be a consensus Clear one. But yeah. all right, so you got the Earl of Suffolk, and he was—he um, comes from a sort of a family of wealthy traders. They lived in the city of Hull, which is uh, sort of a, a trading place. Um, 
And he made a bunch of money as a merchant, so the Dillapoles. You guys might remember the Dillapoles from the previous episode because Will Dillapole's sister ran a pretty dope monastery. Oh, and that, that monastery or the abbot, uh, the the uh, the priory, yeah. and that place was where the little tutor boys were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So remember, the little tutor boys mm-hmm. were getting a sweet education, and Dillapole had the, those boys there. So, um, so um, let's talk. We'll talk about Earl of Suffolk in a second. But th- so people were concerned that we had a crappy king. Not crappy. Well, the king needed to do two things in the medieval society. There was two sort of roles the king needed to fill. One, he needed to hold up justice. The king's law needed to be law. So whenever there was an injustice, it had a rudimentary court of appeals system, but eventually things would come up to the king and he would enact justice and say what's what. And so even if things didn't go all the way up to the king, the the country, the, the society needed to know that if things escalated up to the king, there would be, there would be like justice. um, And so lesser courts or lesser districts could make decisions knowing in the support that England had laws um, that the king was going to uphold. So the king needed to uphold the king's justice. And the other thing is that the king needed to fight in the wars. He needed to go off and he needed to throw down. He needed to be awesome and he needed to be smart and he needed to, um, you know, uh, beat up the foreigners uh, and then all the people would love him, right? So this is sort of the two functions. You need to fight in wars. You need to uphold the justice. Um, Henry VI did not um, really elicit much confidence in the whole fighting thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be some hilarious stories later on about his views on, like, just sort of, you know, rowdy boy stuff. He just wasn't into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he didn't no – one, no one could even envision him like wearing armor and holding a sword. It was kind of a laughable thing. So uh, that's not great. But hey, we can delineate that to some of our beefier dudes and they can go off and they can fight in the king's name. Problem solved. No real crisis had yet happened in regards to law. So the whole veneer or the whole like sort of uh, expectation was that the laws are going to work and things are going to be upheld and there's not going to be arbitrariness and the society is going to hold itself together. So this is what the two things that the king needed. But people knew, hey, if you got kind of a weak king, we've got future problems. So they're like, what we need to do is we need to get a buddy for him. So they got the Earl of Suffolk. The English people were pretty ticked over how life had gone over the past couple of 20 years that Henry VI had been king. Remember, Henry V... He was going to be king of England, king of France. He was married to like a dope uh, French princess. Mm-hmm. He uh, had the Battle of Agincourt. Um, he had all of these victories. Everything was coming up English in the people's minds. Um, and then since then, you kind of had everything kind of slowly chipped away. Joan of Arc came in and everyone was like, oh, gosh, God's with the French. That's right. not good. Um, and so she sort of had these great victories. Uh, crazy King Charles died, and then his son was kind of an awesome king, and he came in, he kind of reinvigorated the French people. And so England had this sort of long-standing army in the north of France during the whole reign of Henry VI for like 20 years, and everyone's kind of waiting, fingers crossed, that Henry's going to be awesome, and he's going to ride in, we're going to keep on rolling, boys. Mm-hmm. Um, but as time goes on, it's not looking that way. Um, Henry VI had one great passion. And that was 
he wanted to create places of education. He was really passionate about education. So he created a new boys' school called Eaton College, mm, okay. which still exists to this day, yeah. which is the most, you know, presti- one of the most prestigious institutions in the world. Um, That's awesome. And he also uh, created an institution called King's College mm. at a university called Cambridge. Wow. Um, so King's College uh, still exists today. Uh, and that was instituted by Henry VI. He was super jazzed into education, and, and he thought that this was, um, you know, really important for a king to do. And everyone was like, "Awesome! What a right? friggin' nerd! Like, yeah. we need to go beat up the French." Ah. <laughs> um, anyway, so there was some concern that yeah. all he was doing was he was carrying himself with education and these institutions, and he wanted King's College to be a p- place where the poor clerks could go and can learn about God. And everyone was like, "Oh, awesome!" <laughs> uh, okay. So there was a lot of grumbly boys, a lot of grumbly boys in England these days, um, from the nobles all the way down to the people, and you have a standing army whose only job in life is to throw down, and they're in the north of France, and they're like sitting on their hands, and they're getting all these big like morale dumps. Mm. All these battles were like, you know, Joan of Arc's coming, and that lost that one, and then our king's like a weirdo starting like a school, and, and so he's, never, he's not going to be as cool as his dad, and so a lot of grumbly boys. Sure. And people began to whisper, listen, this might be God's judgment on us, not only because we burned Joan of Arc, that wasn't a great move, True. but this is also God's judgment because, well, we disrupted the whole line of kings thing. We killed Richard II, or we uh, had Henry IV, this Lancastrian king, from, uh, uh, you know, jump the line and boot Richard II off, and this is the reason... You know, generations later, God's being like, you jerks. And he is just, this is God's judgment for us uh, getting rid of Richard. So there's some grumbly boys in England right now. Um, okay. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so it's important to remember that we got this, like, long-standing sort of professional armied class in, uh, in England. And the only reason that they're, like, not completely decimated is they had awesome archers. And so the French were aware of this and they couldn't, you know, completely go after them. So... Um, the Earl of Suffolk. He's kind of a cool guy. He's a little bit of the opposite of Henry VI. If Henry VI is kind of like bush, bookish and pious and, um, you know, sort of like very clean and very, you know, um, hard to read. Uh, Henry, William de la Pole, sorry, uh, William de la Pole, Earl of Suffolk, um, he's kind of cool. He um, fought in France during these wars and one battle didn't go very well and he was about to be captured by a French just like commoner. Mm. And he's like, oh, man, how that's so embarrassing to be captured by a commoner. So he knighted the French (laughs) soldier before he captured him. He's like, hey, listen, French guy, I don't want to be captured by a peasant. Do you want to be a knight in the English regiment? And the French guy was like, je ne sais quoi tu steal. And uh, and then he's like, no, cool, you're a knight. And so he had the little French man kneel and he made him a knight. And then he let that knight capture him. So he would never have been captured by a commoner. Okay. Awesome. That's such a that's a cool move. If you were um, knighted, would you still capture the guy? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you're a French, you're a would you trust French him guy. as you kneel and he knights you with yeah. his sword? Uh, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm about to capture this guy and he has a sword at my neck. I don't yeah. feel comfortable with that. Anyway, um, so he was. Yeah, that's probably a good point. There's probably more than one Frenchman. I would imagine. Um, so he knighted mm, the dude, yeah, so yeah. he wasn't captured by a commoner. He married one of the babes of the Middle Ages. And this was, he married a Chaucer. Uh, was her name Anne? I can't remember what her name Wait, was. of the Chaucers? Yes, of hmm. the Chaucers. Wow. He married Wait, a Chaucer. Was this, was this after Chaucer Chaucer? Or when was Chaucer Chaucer? Yes, so this is one of Chaucer's, Chaucer's granddaughter, I think. Okay. Um, and 
Shoot, I knew. They I still have these. their wine business. Um, where is that cool? Yeah, uh, Tr- uh, Chaucer. Chaucer died in fourteen hundred. Yeah. So she was. So this. She was. It was her third marriage. She was known as being one of the most beautiful. I think it was Alice. Alice Chaucer. Or Anne Chaucer, I can't remember her first name. Um, Duchess but, of Suffolk? Yes. That's Duchess, Alice Chaucer. Alice Chaucer, cool. All right, so he married her, and she was known to be an absolute, like, just, you know, a smoke show. Like, she was the great beauty of the Middle Ages. Uh, um, you she, you huh? cannot tell from, I don't know, like, the statues. The statues don't The statues don't do it. The statues don't do it. But... Um, she, she was a very long like, face yeah, with really, a yeah. huge pointy nose. Oh, we're, we'll talk about that tomb in a second. Okay. Um, so she was, he was married to, uh, was it Anne? Yeah. Alice. Alice. Alice Chaucer. She was really rich from the Chaucer fortune. Now she was the granddaughter or something married, or she was related to Chaucer Chaucer, Geoffrey Chaucer. And this meant that when Earl of Suffolk married her, he married into the influence of the Beauforts mm-hmm. because the Beauforts were friends with the Chaucers. And Alice Chaucer had all of this money. She was one of the only, one of the few women in the Middle Ages to be uh, put into the prestigious Order of the Garter, which was what uh, the the like cool knight fraternity that uh, Edward III started, where mm. all like the cool knights got to be the Order of the Garter. So she got to be part of the Order of the Garter, and um, and she has a very um, influential tomb uh, if you're in the art world. So when she died, there is. Um, her tomb, it's like a pure alabaster top of her in her youth uh, looking beautiful. Now, you guys just said that she didn't look beautiful, but whatever. Sorry. Um, so looking youthful and alive and radiant. And then below that, sort of like in the tomb, uh, so it's like her, her, the, the, it's her the, the alabaster top, sitting on a platform. And then underneath it, you can kind of see into the fake tomb. And there is another statue in there meant to be her as like an, as a dying dead corpse. Mm. And so you've got this like youthful girl on top and then this like corpse marble statue on the inside. And then there's the inscription, you know, um, what you are I once was and what I am you one day will be. Mm. This, very, this was a very sort of common, pious thing to put on tombs basically as like a memento mori. So her tomb is quite striking in that yep. they've got the beautiful, uh, lively uh, effigy of her on top, and then on the inside of the tomb, you've got this sort of like corpse, mar- you've got this um, um, carved out of corpse marble version of her, and then this inscription saying like, you know, take stock of your life, you will one day be like me. Oh man, so cool. That's cool. Anyway, so this is Alice Chaucer. Suffolk is married to her, and um, uh, this is, and so... Uh, because the Chaucers had this priory, and so William de la Pole had his sister become the, the prioress, and then they sent the Tudor boys there. Anyway, so everything's all intertwined. Um, so Earl of Suffolk, he becomes friends to the 23-year-old king. And the nation has a little bit of a problem, and it's a problem that's going to be solved with getting the king married. But the problem is is that we don't really have a clear heir to the throne because when Henry V died um, young, he only had the one kid, and the one kid was Henry VI. Mm -hmm. And he didn't have like a whole brood or litter litter of other kids that could take over if Henry VI died. Um, There was, and so um, you had um, uh, Duke of Gloucester, so he's next in line, 
Essentially. So because he is Henry V's brother, he's uncle to the king. So he's next in line. But he'd already like run off and said he wouldn't do it, right? Isn't that that guy? Duke Gloucester? Is he the one who like cheated on his wife? Yeah, yeah, that's him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he'd be king. Oh, yeah. We're going to get into that cheating on the wife story because that that comes up. We'll, We'll go into the detail on that one. Okay. Uh, and then his, and then his, the girl he cheated on yeah. with, she got burned, or she got uh, said she was a witch. I don't remember that. Part. Oh, we'll I that also part. don't remember that. Yeah. It's fun. Remember, she was burning. They, they accused her of burning wax figures of the king, and that's why he was so weird. I think I remember that. Okay, we'll we'll, we'll recap that. I anyway, um, so okay, Duke of Gloucester, he's kind of in line, but he's yeah. older than the king, and the Beauforts do not like him. Yeah. And then the only others other after that, you've got four families that could claim direct descendancy from Edward the Third. And because of the whole usurping Richard II thing, everyone had a claim, but only one guy had a direct claim of an unbroken male lineage back to Edward III, and that was a a guy by the name of Richard, Duke of York. So we'll talk about the Duke of York towards the end of this podcast. But the problem is, is that you got Henry VI, and he's kind of a doofus, and he's got no kids, and he's 23, and he's not like the greatest ruler of all time, and he has no wife. And so what, so the Earl of Suffolk comes in, they're like, all right, William Dillapole, you've got one mission. That's to find somebody that can marry this guy. And, like, maybe man him up a little. Like, we need somebody that can, yeah, that can, you know, maybe inspire him to greatness. Get his nose out of them books. Get his nose out of them books. Um, you know, get interested in, like, horseback riding and mm-hmm. bloodshed. and like a um, falcon or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need somebody. And so, and so Earl of Suffolk's like, awesome, cool. I'm off. And so he was going to go to France. Everybody kind of knew that there was one um, family that had this, like, awesome princess that, sh- that everyone should go for, and her name was Margaret, Margaret de An- of Anjou. And so that was his first stop, and he needed to go check it out and make sure that it was cool. Um, but before the Earl of Suffolk left, he said, listen, I want to guarantee from Parliament that if this thing goes bad, I'm not in trouble. Mm. And... If that's smart. he's like, I'm going and I'm going to have to make some promises yeah. to have people to marry this, marry this king. And if it comes back and in, in the negotiations, you like go through my notes and you're like, you could have done this better. You could have done that better. And you get mad at me. I want to be pre-pardoned for any bad things that you guys think, uh, uh, for any nasty outcomes. If we have like, if the king has ugly lizard children, mm-hmm. like I want to be pre-pardoned. Sure. And parliament was like, okay. Getting a pre-pardon has never gone wrong before. Yes. Yeah. Pre-pardon. What, what could he possibly do? <laughs> so the Earl of Suffolk had went off with his don't get mad at me guarantee. Uh, he gets pre-pardoned for anything that happens, and he goes off to France. Did he marry her? He does not marry her. Okay. Mm. He goes off to France. No, he's a, he actually, so even though. He's not going to abuse that get out of jail free card? He's not going to abuse that get out of jail free card. It, would, it is a bad move for him to have done. Um, but it, every indication seems to be that he had some degree of warmth to our king, oh. our kind of like childish king. So, oh, so he, he did kind of like him. Mm-hmm. He okay. was doing his best, but he was doing his best, and he but he knew that like it's gonna be tough. We got these factions. Yeah, we got the Beauforts and the Gloucesters. We got people who think the king is our punishment from God. Right. Um, and then we've got like um, all these varying people that really can step up and say. There's a good argument why I should be king. There's also a bunch of teachers who really love this guy. Yeah, this, yes. yeah, exactly. And so the Earl of Suffolk just wants to make sure he's got some guarantees. And so they're like, all right, off you go. So he goes off and he goes to Margaret of Anjou. And she is known as being, um, she, I think, um, um, uh, uh, Churchill calls her um, beautiful, charming, spirited, and uh, of, of, of amazing intellect. Something like that. She is just this gem of a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Um, she would be perfect for being queen. Perfect for being queen. Right. Now, the problem is that, and she was niece of the king, niece mm. of the king of France. Um, so she's from royal blood. Um, her mom is the queen of France. Uh, no, sorry, not her mom. Um, her, her, aunt. her aunt is queen of France. So her, her, the queen of France is her dad's sister. Yeah. And so, um, and, and so that he goes to Anjou. The trouble is, is that Anjou and the, and the Duke of Anjou, the dad. They hate him. They hate the king of England. They hate the king of England. Yeah. Ah, they can get over that. Okay. Um, but they don't have any cash. They don't have any uh. money. So Anjou, the ancestral homelands of Anjou is a place called Anjou and another place called Maine, um, spelt the same way, like the, pro- like the state. And so they have Maine and they have Anjou. Turns out um, Maine is under the control of the English. Okay. It's one of those contested territories in the north or with something. And so the English are – so they don't even own their own country. So she has no dowry whatsoever. Mm. She's got like 20,000 francs, which is like breakfast. Yeah. So she has nothing. Um, and the dad sounds awesome on paper. He was the king of Jerusalem in Sicily. That's dope. That's dope. Except that – yeah, no king of Jerusalem, no Christian king of Jerusalem had set foot in Jerusalem for like a hundred years, hmm. and the Turks owned it. And he's so like, he's he, like in quotes, yes, the king, king of, of Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Yeah, it's like yeah. you can be king of my boot, right? Like, <laughs> like he's not the king of anything. The right. Turks are are in control of Jerusalem, right? And the king of Sicily didn't even own any square inch of Sicily. He was just <laughs> the king of Sicily, and he wasn't allowed to live there. <laughs> Great. So he's like the king of Jerusalem in Sicily, which sounds awesome, like sweet business card, but it doesn't mean anything. True. Um, and he had sort of, he was fighting in Italy all the time. And it turns out that dad had spent like a huge part of his life just in like foreign custody. He was just like in jail a lot (laughs) from fighting in wars that he couldn't win, which meant that Margaret growing up, um, uh, meant that sort of the, the, the Duke of Anjou, um, his wife was kind of in charge of the home affairs. Mm. And that meant that Margaret under her mom kind of got to see, okay, this is how modern, this is how the world works. This is how being a woman in a man's game is played. And, um, and even as she's 15 years old, so she's not very old, but she was good at it. Beautiful, charming. Um, Churchill says that she, very similar to Joan of Arc, mm. although through very differing means, had the same knack of getting men to fight for her. Mm. Not for her, but for her causes. Right. So Margaret of Anjou was very charming, spirited. Um, I believe in our next episode, she's going to like pick up a sword and like fight oh, wow. in, some, in some battles yeah, later on. Nice. Uh, she's pretty awesome. And, and she's beautiful. And, and we, are so, we rooting for her to marry? We're rooting for her to marry the king. Yeah, yeah but the king's so. kind of doofus. But I mean, he, he like, I feel hey, like she's going to be wasted on but him. But she's yeah. all girl. Uh, like she is. Why doesn't she marry that guy that's the king's best friend? Er- Earl he seems Suffolk? cool. Errol yeah. Suffolk. Yeah. He's yeah, he married. What's going on? He's married to the babe. He's married to Alice. Oh, uh, that's right. He's got babe. Chaucer, yeah. babe. Chaucer. Yeah. So, because um, everyone's hoping with the right woman, maybe you can like you know make a man out of this king. Maybe you can pull out the books. Make a man out of him. So he goes. And then Margaret of Anjou, um, she has, so they've got no money, right? Right. Um, and so uh, they're going through this, this, this uh, sort of agreement, and the Earl of Suffolk, um, they strike a deal. So it's going to be a real poor dowry. And, and even the, the court of Anjou is like, listen, I hear your king's kind of like, you know, he's kind of like a dud. Uh, and we're sending like, the best flower of French chivalry to go marry this guy. Um, and oh, not chivalry, the, of court, the French flower of court to go marry this guy. This t- we will do it. Yeah. But we want Maine back. Mm. And the Duke of, and the Earl of Suffolk said, okay, 
but nobody can ever know. Because, remember, there's a bunch of grumbly boys in England, right. and those grumbly boys would be grumbling about the fact that, like, their awesome battles of Agincourt and taking over France were slowly being dwindled and whittled away from a doofus king and warring factions between Gloucester and Beaufort. Yeah. And so um, Suffolk is like, listen, nobody can ever know, and it was known as the secret article. Luckily, this never comes back up in history again. No, I'm just kidding. That's not true. <laughs> So they the, the so it was like okay, we're gonna so the the Anjou is getting Maine back, and so they all agree to this. They all agree to this. Okay, but somehow she doesn't actually end up marrying the king. Oh no, she does. Oh oh yeah, oh, she's got she becomes queen of England. Okay. Oh nice. Yeah. yeah. Now so um, a fun fact apparently <laughs> she's his main squeeze. Yeah. Hey oh. <laughs> um, so one fun thing which is sounds super sketchy is that um, um, in order to solidify the deal. They did a f- they what they do is she has a proxy marriage to the king then and there, and the person who stands in for the king is Suffolk. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah, it's very weird. That's Apparently, this weird. was a common thing. So he marries this babe. Yeah, yeah. So he marries this babe, but he's like, On I am but him. an avatar of the king. Yeah. Still weird. Um, now it is not. Uh, now I don't think that the proxy stood in anything further than the ceremony. If yeah, you get sure. what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Thank um, you. <laughs> But uh, I didn't have any doubts about that. Oh, yeah, exactly. Oh, well, you never know because remember she's going to go marry like you know uh, a wet Kleenex of a man, right? And uh, mm-hmm. and Earl Suffolk's kind of cool, but remember he's already married to the Chaucer girl. Right. So anyway, so there's no in, no indication of impropriety. So they have this proxy marriage, and it's so that she can have like the beautiful French court marriage, mm-hmm. or she can do all her French customs because she's going to go to England and do like her English marriage customs. So she has her like marriage in France. Uh, the Earl of Suffolk stands in as proxy. And this basically means, like, done deal. This happened. This right. is happening. Yeah. Okay. So everyone, so if we're sending her off to England, we know that when they get there, she's going to be married. If for some reason the king's like, no, I don't like her, we can now have some sort of argument. Mm. You're technically proxy married. Yeah. Um, and who knows how the Pope's going to land on that one. That's a great point. Uh, uh, loose cannon. Yeah. All right. So she comes back. William de la Poole, Earl of Suffolk, absolutely triumphant. Both chambers of parliament... The Lords and the House of Commons um, applaud him. Yeah. Well done, Earl of Suffolk. You brought back uh, the babiest babe of all <laughs> of medieval world to marry our king. Right. She will make a man out of him, and hopefully they will have babies. Because mm-hmm. we need to replenish the stock of our English uh, um, you know, uh, royal family. Because it's just Henry VI and then a bunch of question marks. Right. The first question mark was Duke of Gloucester. So... Everyone's happy. It's 1445. They've got a wedding. And um, is the Duke of Gloucester happy also? Does Duke he of Gloucester's happy. Yeah, he's happy. He, he he's happy. He doesn't he's like happy. want to be king. No. Okay. His wife, however. Yeah, there we go. Um, so, Duke of Gloucester. Miss Chaucer? Everyone, uh, no. Uh, the, the Duke, he was asking about the Duke of Gloucester. Gloucester, yeah. You're talking, you're talking about Suffolk. Suffolk is the oh, Chaucer Suffolk. one. Yeah. yeah, got it. I know. I'm, so, trying, I'm trying to make so okay. I know. Um, so. Um, the marriage is a success. He actually loves Margaret. Oh. Uh, and Margaret seems to have taken a liking for him. He's not, <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's what you want to say after a wedding is that the He the loves her and she's okay. <laughs> no, she, but she, she learns she doesn't, pretty yeah, quick. doesn't hate him. Yeah. She yeah. learns pretty quick that she can like cock her head or wink her eye and she's got him. So she learns pretty quickly that she can have control over him. Oh, she's going to run this country. And she and he is in love with her. Yeah. He thinks she's amazing and beautiful and gorgeous and God's gift. And like he is just head over heels in love with this girl. 
devoted to her. And um, strangely enough, this devotion um, kind of creeped some people out. Oh. There are some people in the Middle Ages that thought that that was maybe not a, a, a good thing, a good quality for a husband to have was sort of like, so like too love? much deference to oh. his wife, okay. yeah, too much love for his wife. He was luxurious. Yes, he was luxurious. Maybe. That was, this was the worry. I think it's quite sweet. But they think that it was luxurious, and so there's. Is that what that word means? Just like luxurious means over, like an over deference to your spouse. Is that still like specifically man to wife? Is it actually? Do they have a good sense for what is too much, or is it just like loving your wife in the first place is viewed? It's not. It is. It is like a sickly sweet over deference to your wife. Yes. Okay. Maybe Henry had that. He maybe has that as he gets older. But at the beginning, he loves her, and um, and there would be there would be times where like. You know, there would be a party, and the, there were these lords would bring over like you know dancy bosom ladies, and the king. Well, I'll read the story. Okay, uh, hold on, luxurious hmm. having or showing an excessive or submissive fondness oh, for one's wife. Got it. Okay. So um, there was a certain level. Uh, well, he was so the king was like uh, very chaste before marriage, and everyone was like, "Hey, king, aren't you going to be like a cool young king and go off into like the bars mm-hmm. and stuff?" And he was like, "No, of course not." Mm-hmm. Um, he's very pious, very chaste. And so this actually made some of the nobles nervous because they're like, are we even going to get a kid out of this king? Um, and because there were stories like this. So here we go. Um, um, there was one record that the king was wont utterly to avoid the unguarded sight of naked persons. So he doesn't like naked people. When one Christmas, quote, a certain great lord brought before him a dance or show of young ladies with bared bosoms, the king very angrily averted his eyes, turned his back on them, and went out to his chamber. Okay. Um, I, I think this, that, this is the king. That sounds like a bad bachelor's party. Like yeah, so the king had no, he had no time for this. He right. did not like, he didn't, he didn't think this was great. He thought this was like uh, wrong. And well, was he looking forward to marriage? Like, he he might, was. Yeah. Oh, yes. And he loved Margaret. Yeah. And um, there are many stories. Like, so uh, usually, like, the queen had her own chamber and the king had his own chamber right. and they had to come together every now and then, but then they would go back to their chambers. Um, very quickly, um, the king and the queen uh, got rid of that custom and hmm. co-owned the same chamber and wow. slept in the same bed for their marriage. Wow. And much That's to, awesome. And so, like, a lot of the chamber ladies who are used to, like, coming into the room and it's just going to be the queen mm-hmm. to get her dressed came in. They, like, the king would be there being like, good morning. And, like, ah! <laughs> and so there's all these stories about these, like, scandalized chambermaids right. uh, who, like, couldn't <laughs> even fathom the fact that husband and wife would be in the same bed. Um, so That's hilarious. So the, I, I read that story and I find it to be very, I find Henry VI to be very charming. He's charming. Yeah, That's he's exactly, very charming. Yeah. He's like, you know, a bunch of bros are like, hey, check her out. And he's like, uh, I'm a married man. And he, like, exactly. walked out of the room. And yeah. they're like, oh, what a moron. Yeah. Uh, anyway, how is he saying no to my weird boob show? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, um, do they do they end up having kids together also? Eventually. Okay, but it's going to be a while. It's going to be a while. Yeah. It's going to make people nervous. Yeah. Okay, mm. so oh, sure, I put time on. Um, uh, I, I don't know what time we got. I, I can. Sorry, check the I should put, I should have put it. I don't know. It's okay, I got you. On them. Um, you got some time. Okay. So, all right, where were we? Oh yes. So the king is married. Everyone's super happy. And then the Beauforts look at this and they're like, okay, he's going to have a kid eventually. He doesn't have a kid now. Who is the biggest threat to the king? And also, who do we hate? Gloucester. Right. So the Beauforts are like, now's our chance to go after Gloucester. And, but they're like, well, we need the king to be on our side. Well, there's only one way to get the king on our side. Get the queen on our Mm -hmm. side. Right. So they go to the queen and they're like, your majesty, French princess, who's now the queen of England. 
um, there's this guy, Duke Gloucester, he's next in line to the throne. And um, uh, he's bad, and he should go away. And the queen's like, gotcha. Um, so everyone, so all this side, they had sort of got power, because remember, William de la Pole, Earl of Suffolk, was on their team. Everyone had applauded him. He was the golden boy in court, and he was a Beaufort's friend. Gloucester um, was sort of off in his countryside, like, he loved having artists and plays and, and all the sort of, he was, like, very much almost like a Renaissance man before the Renaissance. Like, he just loved literature and art and music, and he sort of invited all those people to come to his, his palace. And mm-hmm. so he was off in the country doing this. Well, he didn't really want to be king as far as we knew. He, you know, wanted, remember, he wanted one thing, fight the French. Right. He was captain fight French. Um, and that wasn't going very well. Um, his wife, however, the one that he left the, uh, the Duchess of Hainault for, his wife, she was like, wait a minute, my husband is next in line to be king. If weird Henry VI dies, I would be queen of England. Yeah. This is amazing. Now, to her credit, she didn't actually go and try to murder the king, but what she it's did do... more like do, a Macbeth situation. No, what she did do... No, no, she, she was never going to get Gloucester to do it. Right. What she did was she went to her favorite astrologers and her favorite necromancers. Uh-oh. And she said, hey, listen, I need to know in your best guess when Henry VI is going to die. Oh. There's enough necromancers to have a favorite? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, these were... Is there like a... Who, like, who wants... What is a bad necromancer mm. look Well, the thing like? is, necromancers, maybe I not necromancers. Up. That's about the best I can do. <laughs> uh, but definitely the astrologers. The astrologers and, you know, sort of like the, uh, they were, they actually had academic jobs in universities, mm. these astrologers. And I don't know about the necromancers. They, they were probably like, I don't know, like the TA, adjunct faculty, the, the TAs or something. <laughs> um, anyway, so she goes to her favorite astrologers and necromancers. Ne- mm-hmm. By necromancer, like they talk with the dead? Is yeah, that yeah, what yeah. Okay, yeah, she's it. like, listen, I need you to, I need you to like get to your contacts, look at the stars, do all your dark arts, whatever you need to do. I need to know when the king is going to die. Is he going to die before he has a kid? That's right. all I want to know. Right. That's an innocent ask. Right. Uh, right? It's, it's not, though. It's <laughs> definitely not. She's um, also motivated uh, in that questioning. Yeah. Um, and they had said, um, um, they said, oh, yeah, he's going to die um, before there's kids. He's going to die. But they're also all wrong. Uh, also, yes. So um, they're also all wrong. Now, I, I, I'm sorry, I kind of messed up the timeline a little bit. Uh, she was doing this before the marriage had happened. Okay, got it. Sure. Um, that makes more so sense. So she was doing this before the marriage because she's like, hey, when's the king going to die? Um, and uh, they said, oh, he's going to die in, on this day in the year 1441. Now, he got married in 1445. So this whole story happened before the marriage. Kind of, uh, sorry, apologies. I kind of messed up. I would the fire that necromancer. Yeah. Is it a medium, someone who talks with the dead? Is it a necromancer? Because necromancers like summon the dead, don't they? I just looked up necromancy, and yeah. it's either resurrection for the purpose of divination, or even communication with the it dead. It is also communication. Yeah. So I okay. guess they, they know. A medium, a medium is where the dead speak through, through me that to someone else. Yeah. I think necromancy is summoning the dead in order to speak with okay. them. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, her astrologers and necromancers said, uh, "1441, take it to the bank. Happening." Right. And she's like, "Okay, cool." Um, and then word got out that she was asking, asking all yeah. this kind of stuff. And the Beauforts heard about this, and they're like, hey, Duke Gloucester, sounds like your wife's trying to murder the king. He's like, well, no, she's just, like, into that TikTok thing. Uh, <laughs> of like, go that weird part of, like, astrology, right. TikTok. Like, just, it's, it's, it's harmless. Yeah, sure. And, and they're like, no way, man, that sounds, that sounds terrible. So they arrested her. They killed the necromancers. They arrested her? They arrested her. 
Uh, and they put her on heresy trial. And, and they, they killed the necromancers? They killed the necromancers, they burned the necromancers and the astrologers as heretics. Cause Dang. like, yeah. And they were gonna burn her. And then basically Duke of Gloucester like played all of his political clout to get her saved. And yep. so what she had to do was in November, very cold, she had to walk around uh, London with a candle and she had to keep it lit. And if she, mm. and if the God blow it out, she had to go light it again and start over again. And she had to walk around London. Bare, I, depends on who you ask, either barefoot or naked. Mm. I can't remember. But that was her penance. Yep. She had to walk around the streets of London with this candle, either barefoot or, barefoot or naked in November, and everyone got to laugh at her. Mm. Um, and that was her penance. Duke of Gloucester, like, never recovered. He was mm. so ashamed and yep. sad. And, and so he now is retreated off to his little house uh, in, um, in the woods. All right. The they marriage happens. King That's doesn't amazing. die. King doesn't die. The marriage happens. Um, I think his wife... Then dies just from like exposure and you know, just like getting sick. I can't remember. Duke of Gloucester's wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so um, it's heavy, man. Yeah. So then, Beaufort, the Beauforts and the and uh, Earl of Suffolk are like, listen, the king needs to have a kid. It's not happening. Um, it, we now is the time to move on Gloucester. Um, oh yes, now I remember the catalyst. So. Um, um, Back at the Battle of Asian Court, so this is Henry V, they captured some of the nobility of the French, some of the best uh, um, sort of um, dukes of the French army, they captured them. And there was one dude, the Duke of Orléans, and he had been in jail this whole time, and he was like second in command to the king. Duke of Orléans was like, you know, the guy. He was this great prize. They just didn't even know how they were going to ransom him for the money. They're like, one day, he's our lottery ticket. We're going to ransom him and get so much cash. Um, the Duke of Orléans was having a great time in jail. Mm -hmm. Great time. He apparently wrote all of these, like, uh, very fun, body French love plays and, like, poetry. And he was just having a blast mm -hmm. in jail, like, writing uh, plays and, uh, like, romantic... He was basically writing romantic comedies mm -hmm. while he's in jail. Uh, he's like, eh, one day they're gonna bail me out and I gotta go back to court and do all the, like, French king stuff. But in the meantime, Until I'm then. gonna get me some romantic comedies yeah. in there. I'm getting some Hallmark quality stuff. Good for him. Um, so he's having a great time. Was he getting paid for all this, or what was happening? Oh, I mean, they were getting smuggled out of jail. They were going to France. He was becoming a literary sensation. It was kind of romantic. Here he is in jail, writing romantic comedies. So every once in a while, he wasn't in jail, just going off doing other things. No, no, he would like smuggle out the oh, smuggle out the smuggle plays. out the, the plays. plays. Yeah. yeah. Um, for funny. some yes. reason, I can't remember why the Beauforts release him, uh, release him from jail with a pretty crappy. Um, Probably just literary marriage. Yeah. yeah. They're ready to play and they're like, this man needs to be free. <laughs> um, no. They release he him. He's a They release him for whatever reason. And Dugu Gloucester gets real mad. He's like, men f died to capture that guy. I fought at the Battle of Agincourt. And so he's ticked. And so he gets real mad. Uh, and everyone's like, aren't you the guy with the witch wife? And mm. I hate yeah. you. Um, and. Um, does he find out about Maine being given back? He does not find about oh, Maine. Okay. Um, so uh, the Beauforts summon the Duke of Gloucester to uh, like let's hash this out. Let's sort of like let's oh, hash this out. That sounds like a death sentence. Let's Never talk go about to this. And murder him immediately. Um, oh yeah. man. Let's just have a talk about this. And the Duke of Gloucester thinks something's up. Right. Ah, smart guy. Yeah, smart guy. So he goes. So they're having like a. I guess it was maybe an act. Uh, maybe a session of Parliament. And of course, the Duke of Gloucester should be there. Right. And so he shows up. But he shows up with a bunch of armed dudes mm. because he doesn't want to get killed. Right. And so he brings in a bunch of like Welsh mercenaries and he brings in a whole bunch of people. And the Beauforts are like, huh, 
This looks like somebody trying to usurp the throne, kill the king, and install himself of king. Wow. And the Duke of Gloucester's oh, like, I'm not doing any of those things. Right. I'm just trying to, like, not get murdered. Um, and they immediately arrest him. And Dang, so what he's a, a clever plan. I know. Yes. So they immediately arrest him. They're like, this guy was trying to usurp the throne. And, like, the people bought it. Because they'd be like, well, how do you know he's trying to usurp the throne? Well, he showed up with a bunch of armed guards. They're like, That's pretty good okay, evidence. fair enough. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. if somebody, like, you know, walked through Congress with, like, a bunch of Marines with weapons. They're like, I'm doing this so I don't die. And they're like, oh, I don't know, man. That's that's pretty sketch. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so he goes into jail, and now they're all trying to figure out what to do with him. Okay. One of the great weird mysteries of the Middle Ages happens. Seven days later, the Duke, later, the Duke of Gloucester is dead. Oh. Dead. In jail. But obviously killed by the Beauforts, right? Well, we don't know. Oh. That's what it, lots of people think. There is a lot of speculation. Um, so... Let's see. Was he old at this point, too? He was old. Yeah. And his and he had had a spectacular fall from grace. He was like the king's... He was the regent of right. England to the king. Right. To you humiliated my witch wife, right. and now I'm like living by myself in my castle, like listening to plays, and everyone thinks I'm trying to take over the throne. Yeah. Simply because I'm next in line. Yeah. Um, so here we go. I'm going to read from Dan Jones' book. Fate intervened. On Thursday, February 23rd, at around 3 p.m., some five days after he was arrested, Gloucester was dead. How he died or in what manner, the certainty is unknown, but only to God, wrote one chronicler. Some, now, AJ, you're going to love this. Some said he died for sorrow. Some said he was murdered between two feather beds. And some said he was thrust into the bowel with a, uh, it was thrust into the bowel with a hot burning spit. So, one of those three. <laughs> how do you not yeah, know? how do you not know? Yeah. How so you're like, ah, I don't know, that big gaping flesh wound in his bowels, <laughs> probably the feather beds is what yeah. got him. Like, so how do you... He either was died from sorrow, right. or they, like, put him between... Smothered him to death. They put him between two beds and smothered him and sat on him until he died, or they put a burning hot poker in his bowel, which means the patukas, yeah. Yeah. and uh, killed him that way. Who knows? How do you not know? How do you not know? It's pretty clear. Uh, but what they... Um, and then later historians have said... I think if the hot poker is an option, <laughs> you'd pick that's, that I, I wouldn't look at that and be like, ah, you know what, smother, he might have been smothered. Oh, yeah. uh, die of sorrow. Uh, thank you very much. Yes. I will take die of sorrow. Um, so uh, it's you're people... Saying, you're saying give him the choice. He's saying if you see the poker, you know that's the one that oh, did yeah, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. If that's even on the table, yeah, you're like, like, okay, well, that's that. definitely it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he had probably suffered a stroke, is what later people have thought. Um, but what they did was they took his body and they displayed it for everyone to see. So they'd be like, look, we didn't do anything weird to him. Right. And it was like looking at the poker. I don't know. He's burned around the bum yeah. pretty yeah. seriously, <laughs> you guys. And they're like, oh, we don't know what that yeah, is. He's had a chili the night before. Um, so, <laughs> oh. nobody know- <laughs> so nobody knows what happened to the Duke of Gloucester, but he's dead. The right. heir to the throne, well, I guess the person of. who has, you need to, you, you actually need to like declare who the heir is. And one of the problems is no one has declared who the heir is. Yeah. So anyway, so Duke of Gloucester is dead. Um, either through murder or grief. Okay. Um, and so this seems to be a triumph for the Beaufort. Hey, our number one guy is out. Uh, all we got to do now is like, let's make a baby. So they're like, let's get a baby. Uh, uh, in, uh, Margaret of Anjou, we need to get an heir to the throne. And so everyone's encouraging the king to go for Man, it. Man, that's a lot of pressure it's on you. It's a lot of pressure. as a king. I know. Um, okay. Um, that, so this is now 1448. So the marriage happened in 45. Gl- Duke Gloucester died somewhere in there. 1448, 
people start sniffing around this whole deal to be married thing. They're like, wait a minute, where did England get out of this? Remember, there's grumbly boys everywhere. And those grumbly boys are particularly concerned about losing land in France. And you got a bunch of soldiers sitting there being like, are we throwing down? Are we, are we kicking some French butt or what? Like, what's happening? Yeah. And they're like, the king is occupied trying to have an heir. And everyone's like, oh, my word. Like, I'm going crazy sitting in camp waiting for a war that's never going to come. Right. And the Duke of Gloucester, the one who wants to fight the French, He's is dead. now dead. Yeah. Anyway, 1448, people start sniffing around, and the secret article is revealed. Oh, do you know how? It- um... The French rolled into Maine, and they're yeah. like, this is ours now. And then the English were like, I don't think so. And they're like, we've got this document signed oh. by the Duke of Suffolk. How did, how did he think that was going to go? Yeah, he, I don't know. Right. But Guys, the, keep this secret. <laughs> As they're like, in. how exactly are we supposed to take control of the land? He's like, I don't know, but you better keep it secret. Yeah. So the army and the navy are ticked. Yeah. Ticked. Because here they are. They fought and died for France, and they've got men fighting and dying in Maine, and then they like... What gave it away to the queen? Um, they are mad. But in she's fact, the queen of England. Now. She's the queen of yeah. England. But they gave it away um, to the family. And let's see. Um, Churchill says this of the matter. Um, it soon appeared that immense forces of retribution were on foot. When in 1448 the secret article for the cession of Maine became public, through its occupation by by the French, anger was expressed on all sides. England had paid a province, it was said, for a princess without a dowry. Traders had cast away much in the field and given up the rest by intrigue. At the root of the fearful civil war soon to red the island, there lay this national grief and wrath at the ruin of empire. All other discontents fused themselves with this. The House of Lancaster had usurped the throne had ruined the finances, had sold the conquests, and now had stained their hands with foul murder, the Duke of Gloucester. Right. So people are like putting pieces together. And whether you think that this is like unfair or fair, people are looking at it and they're like, man, these Lancasters have messed up royally. Um, and so the, the army and the navy are ticked. All right. Um, uh, the king sends one of his little dudes... Um, to like pay the wages of the navy one mm. day, and and the, the and um, so the king, you know, they're like, I know you're mad that all your friends have died in the wars with France, and we seem to have like given it away to the enemy so that the king could marry like a total smoke show. Um, but listen, here's um, some money. Here's some. Here's your pay. Here's some money, and the navy. Oh yeah, they totally killed that guy. Yeah, of course they did. They, so the little guy that was gonna go pay their wages, they strung him up and killed him. Yeah. Like, oh gosh, this is bad. Um, eventually the political pressure mounted that they wanted, um, uh, uh, Suffolk to be put on trial. They wanted to impeach him for, you know, being a traitor because he gave away the lands. And the king is like, Suffolk's my buddy. I can't do this. We also um, have the get out of jail free he, card. And right. Suffolk's like, ah, I got to get out of like consequences free card. Ha ha. And the <laughs> king's like, it's true. He does. Right. I can't do anything. And the Navy's like. I, we do not care. Right. Um, They'll just kill him anyway. And, right? and at this time, so like the, you know, everybody still loved the king because he's kind of, he was lovable. He was pious. Um, he didn't seem to have like vices that were very obvious, but they hated the Lancasters. But, you know, the do, king they still loved. Do they love the queen? And they, yeah, and they love the queen, um, but she's French. So they're a little suspicious, yeah. but, you know, she seems okay. Um, she's also quite young and they're like, just do your thing. Have a kid, just do right. your thing. Um, 
Uh, so there, you, you get this a lot where there's the love of king but the hatred of the people around him. Yeah. Anyway, so the, so the Earl of Suffolk um, uh, is, you know, the king says, listen, here's what I'll do. So they put him on trial and then they say, yeah, yeah, you gave it away. That was super bad. You shouldn't have done this. People are mad at you. But you had the like little get out of consequences free card. So the king says, here's what I'm going to do. Earl of Suffolk, you're gonna, I'm going to banish you. You're just going to go to France. I'm going to banish you. And so the Earl of Suffolk's like, fine. So the Earl of Suffolk, he got all his treasure. He put it on his little, his little donkey mm-hmm. and his little you know, sad cart. And yes. he went to the coast um, of England. And he went on to... Uh, so in 1450, he was banished from England. Um, he got in his little boat. It was a little fast-moving schooner. Uh, and he was sailing the English Channel to go to France when one of the warships <laughs> of the British Navy intercepts yeah. his boat and stops him and brings him on board. And the Earl of Suffolk's like, okay, listen, um, I am a royal minister. I'm under the king's protection. Everything's going to be fine. He gets on the boat. The captain of the boat comes down and says the ominous and now famous words, welcome, traitor. Mm. <laughs> so the Earl of Suffolk's like, ooh, that can't be good. Right. Um, Not a good thing. So, and the, 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 um, there's an old tradition, I guess, on seafaring vessels that the captain of the boat can also, like, try criminals. Mm. And so the captain of the ship's like, we are going to retry you, Earl of Suffolk. And the Earl's like, I'm a royal minister. I'm under the protection of the king. They're like, yeah, you're right. No, no, you're under the protection of the king. And we were going to enact the king's law. Um, so oh. let's enact the king's law. Yeah. Oh, you're guilty. Yeah, um, and, <laughs> I, and so what they did was they took him into a little rowboat and they took a little executioner and they uh, smote his head with a rusty sword mm. half a dozen times mm. until it was cleft. Oh my That's gosh! Terrible. So they cut his head off with a rusty sword and took I feel six like hits. He didn't deserve that. He did not yeah. deserve that. Poor Earl of Suffolk. Yeah. I know. Poor bro. That sucks. Poor guy. He was a he was a good chap. He was a good chap. But now you've got. Um, oh, that king is going to be angry. Yeah. yeah. But the thing is, he can't really do anything because it's the navy. What's he going to do? Fight his navy? Yeah. So. It's but not, this, but you can't have people enacting vigilante law. law and disrespecting like your command. You can't. I would, I would remove that guy from command yes. and have him jailed. And like, you got to yeah. do something as a king, or people going to walk but all things over. Things are things are bubbling up, and uh, I don't know how I don't know how it all shook out. But what this did show people was, hey, we're now living in a country where our king can't fight in a war. No one could even conceivably think of him being masculine in battle, and um, he was supposed to enact the king's justice. We got. We got boat people chopping off heads of ministers. Right. Like we got, you know, blood in the water. Quite literally, this is this is bubbling up to something bad. Bubbling. Um, there was an uprising um, in in the in Kent, which was a province uh, sort of on the southeastern side, the closest to France, mm-hmm. where a lot of sailors lived, and where they had a lot of support for the guy who's next in line for the king, Richard Duke of York. Um, there was an uprising in Kent. Uh, some dude named Jack Cade, which is kind of a cool name. Cool name. Um, he is sort of gets this popularist uprising, and he gets a bunch of bros, and they march on London, and London doesn't really know what to do with him, and he's like, "Where we demand to come into London?" They're like, "Well, you're citizens, so you're allowed to come in." So they open the gates, and Jack Cade comes in, and Jack Cade um, goes and immediately kills the king's treasurer. He's like, "Ah, take this," and he kills him, and then all of the city, the citizens of London, are like, "Whoa, whoa, this is crazy! What's going on?" And so they actually killed Jack Cade. Mm. Um, but the reason why, yes, question. Oh, yeah. The reason why this is um, important is that he pretended to have the name Mortimer. And everyone listening who heard that name Mortimer, they're like, oh, I know what that means. Um, so let's talk about why he took the name Mortimer. 
We have this, so the next in line to the throne is a guy by the name of Richard, Duke of York. Um, Richard, Duke of York's father, was killed by Henry V for going against Henry IV. <laughs> oh. Um, so uh, his dad was killed by Henry V. His grandpa had rebelled against Henry IV. And so they have this, like, long history of being on the other side of the whole usurping Richard II thing. They didn't, they're not cool with that. Um, they don't see the Lancastrians as legitimate kings. But Richard, Duke of York, he's, he's, he's pretty okay with it. Like, he's not cool with it, but he's not an open rebellion. Um, he was related to Edward III by the Edward III's youngest brother, who was the Duke of York. He was also related to the king through his, his, uh, the, the other side of his family, his mom. Um, he, his family line can trace their name back to the house of Mortimer. And the Mortimers are this very famous family that own a lot of land who are always kind of seen to be like against the royal powers. Um, so the Mortimer family were on this other side of the Lancastrians who really wanted, who didn't like, um, you know, who, who took over the crown from Richard II. And so he was a Mortimer. He was also married to, um, his wife was a Neville and that was a, the probably the wealthiest landowning family in the north, mm. um, and also they had uh, Ireland land in Ireland, and so they were a northern family. Um, he had his first daughter was Anne Neville, who's going to be f- important later on, and then he had eleven other children. Wow! So what was Henry the Sixth problem? No kids. And what does Duke of York got? A lot of kids. A lot of kids. Yeah. And he's also got a claim to the throne. He's got a lot of kids, including some like beefy sons, uh, a beefy son named Edward, a beefy son named Edmund, and a beefy son, well, not so beefy, but a son named Richard, who had a hunchback. Um, Mm. Yeah. Anyway, so Richard, Duke of York, he has a line to the throne, and he was one of those guys fighting in France, and all the grumbly boys who were fighting in France loved him, because he was like the man's man who could throw down. Um, He was a knight at the age of 15. He was put into the Order of the Garter at 21. He fought in France a lot. And he was considered, um, he was actually, he was law-abiding, he was virtuous, he was law-respecting. Churchill says of him, um, let's see what Churchill says of the Duke of York. Um, He says, oh, I wrote down a page that doesn't exist. Um, Um... Anyway, he, so Churchill says the, the Duke of York was sort of this law-abiding, uh, 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 upstanding person, not necessarily predisposed to rebellion. Um, but, um, uh, but then you've got this person who comes in and is like, we're a rebel system, and he goes into London and kills the treasurer, and he, he takes on a rebellious name. I am not Jack Cade. Mm. I am Jack Mortimer. And mm. everyone's like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Uh, I can't think of like what that would be today. What, what's like a rebellious name? I don't know, like Sid Vicious, right? Mm. Like that's such a name that's so rebellious yep. from like the Sex Pistols. Right. Um, I can't think of a better example. But, <laughs> anyway, so he adopts the name of like the sort of the popular consciousness of, rebe- of a family. Oh, like Marilyn Manson. Yeah, yeah, mm. something like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. And so he comes in and people are like, oh, and then the Lancastrians are like, you see the House of York? They're behind this usurpation. Richard's like, no way, man. This isn't me. Right. I didn't do any of this. I have nothing to do with this. Um, um, anyway, um, he was in charge of Calais, 
in France, and then he went off and was given charge of the Irish. Like, yeah, so the Duke of York was living in Ireland, and he was in charge of the Irish, and the Irish, this is very rare, liked him. Oh, wow. They thought he was great. Yeah. He was a fair ruler. They thought he was a good ruler. Uh, they thought that he was fair-minded and law-abiding and loved uh, the right things. And, um, and so now you've got this same... Um, kind of situation that you had with Richard II. Richard II was kind of like a weak doofus king, and Henry IV, who had kind of a claim to the throne, was kind of a boss. Mm. And now you've got Henry VI, who's kind of a weak doofus king. He's now been married for seven years without a kid, Ooh, and people are no getting good. a little nervous. Right. Um, and then you've got Richard Duke of York, who's kind of who's kind of great. Mm. Um, I mean, he's definitely a man's man. He can fight in battle. He's got eleven kids, so you know that's not a problem. Um, and, uh, um, and uh, everywhere he goes, people are like, he is a fair ruler. Okay. So this is where our episode is going to end. We're going to set it up for the next one. Um, one day in parliament, a little young guy, a little like member of parliament, fresh, you know, for in his first term or whatever, stands up and he's like, listen, it's been seven years and we don't have an heir to the throne yet. And he's like, I know this is unpopular. I don't think, you know, we need, to, we need to talk about this. King, you need to set up somebody who's going to be king in case, like, you take a, I don't know, like a rock to the head or something happens. You eat some bad ham. Like, we need to know who's in charge. Yep. And the little guy said, I propose it's Richard, Duke of York. Mm. And this is a, you know, sort of an honest, well-meaning thing. Like, it is the obvious choice. He should be the, the It's next a good idea line. to have a It's a good succession. idea to have Otherwise a succession plan. And he really does have an unbroken line yeah. in the king, and there's no babies, right? And so you should – it should be um, uh, Richard, Duke of York. And um, Churchill notes that um, um, honest men looking at the cause could find justification for mm. either side. And it's not just complete browbeating that this is – that um, you know, honest men could be for either side. Um, Either side being either. either side being sticking with the Lancasters. Yeah. Let's just you know wait for them to have a kid, or maybe Richard Duke of York should be king. Um, so yeah, so the people uh, and then th- there was a popular sentiment around the peasants because mm. um, people were like, I think there might be war. There might mm. be war coming up. Like both sides are bubbling. We have this like dude coming in and killing treasurers in London. Yeah. This uprising in Kent. We've got people's heads getting chopped off in boats. This is maybe dark days coming. And the popular sentiment, which probably isn't a good idea among the peasants was, the fewer nobles, the better. Mm. So like, if they're going to fight with each other, that's cool by me. So the peasants were like, if they're going to fight, I'm not going to worry about it. Not a great thing. But nope. anyway. Um, and so this little dude says that, um, that the Richard Duke of York should be king. And, um, uh, and then apparently he sort of like overplays and overstates it a little too forcefully and is quite indignant in parliament and is actually like really, sh- uh, really pushing for it to the point where the king actually like arrests him, locks him up and is like, you got to cool off. Right. And when this happens, Richard Duke of York lands in Wales with an army. Wow. And that's, and that's Well, not really with an army, but that's where we're going to end for today. So Richard Duke of York is coming to England and he with for no reason, like he doesn't have any yeah. business or something and he's landing with a force in Wales. Uh oh, that's a great way to so, do that. Was yeah, this is uh, this is this is coming up coming up to a head. I like it. So I've got my yeah. Just to pique the curiosity for those in the in between, um, the the thing that I want to have a debate is with these middle this medieval form of government. Everything really hinges hinges on the management of people of human beings. Like, 
our king needs a friend to round him out so that he can be like a good person to rule. And we kind of live in an era where you kind of feel like our representative leaders could be completely interchangeable. Mm. Like it doesn't matter if we have, you know, uh, this this Republican or that Republican or this Democrat and that Democrat. They can almost be interchangeable parts because we have a system as opposed Mm. to like a – um, a person, a person, or like our 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 government really functions on systems and you know systems and data and and uh, uh, and voting structures and and sort of lobbying support not of people but of like you know anyway and then but in the Middle Ages you definitely have a more like our national crisis is that our king doesn't have a best friend. Mm. And, you know, like those right. are very different kinds of realities to live under. Sure. And I just want to like tease that idea out a little bit in the in-between. Sure. Okay. Well, Graham just referenced it, but we do in-between episodes after these main episodes. That's Those are available on Patreon, patreon.com slash classical stuff. I think if you support us at the $10 a month level, you get access to those in-between episodes and monthly AMAs, which we also just recorded today. You can also find us online on Twitter at classical stuff. You can email us, theguys at classicalstuff.net. And we have a website, classicalstuff.net. It's pretty great. I think that's everything. So thank you all for listening. And uh, uh, yeah, we'll see you again next week. Let's do this again next week, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.